Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon spoke about Mohamed Salah, who became the first high-profile Premier League player to enter the debate regards the Israel-Gaza conflict. We looked at whether or not Newcastle would have grounds for compensation in the Sandro Tonali case. We speak to Gary Rowett on leaving his post as Millwall manager this week, and light heavyweight boxer Dan Aziz joined us live on the postponement of his fight against Josh Boatze. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. After the discussion yesterday on this show uh, over whether or not a player should be free to post political statements on their own social media channels, Mo Salah, one of the most renowned, best-known players in world football, becomes the first high-profile Premier League player to enter the debate regards the Israel-Gaza conflict. This is what Salah said. It's not always easy to speak in time like this. There has been too much violence and too much heartbreaking brutality. The escalations in the recent weeks is unbearable to witness. All lives are sacred and must be protected. The maskers need to stop. Families are being torn apart. What's clear now is that humanitarian aid to Gaza must be allowed immediately. The people there are in terrible conditions. The scenes at the hospital last night were horrifying. The people of Gaza need food, water, and medical supplies urgently. I'm calling in the world leaders to come together to prevent the further slaughter of innocent souls. Humanity must prevail. Mo Salah sending his own message to world leaders, Simon, to say, yeah. look, where has this got to? Where might it get to? And surely it is time to step in and stop people dying. I can't see any anything wrong with that message whatsoever. Is he right to send the message that he has sent out? I would say yes. Well, it's entirely up to him. It's interesting timing. Um, I, I didn't hear him wading to these murky waters 10 days ago when the tragedies that were happening in Israel 
um, were uh, at the front and centre of the conversation. So that's why it makes it murky waters, because of his ethnic persuasion, his belief system, and of course now what's happening in Gaza to Palestinians is being uh, is being uh, focused on. Um, he has he has put his opinion forward. But does we it ha- matter when he sent the message out? Well, is it not the case that he has sent a message out? Well, depends. It's, it's a message of unity and peace. Well, it depends if you value if if you believe that wisdom being imparted by sports people has any particular currency, and which particular wisdom do you attach value to, and when do you attach it, and when do you, when do you attach value to it? I don't have a particular issue given the conversation that we had yesterday with Sam given my stance stance has always been that sport in itself of itself and in of itself shouldn't be leveraged for agendas but I have always felt that if the athletes themselves want to use alternate platforms want to use alternate methodologies to be able to impart what they think are important messages ideally with real skin in the game ideally with real substance behind what they're saying and real preparedness to make sacrifices in the instances of other people such as Jordan Henderson and some of the hypocrisy that's going on with him, I don't have a particular problem with it. Do I think it's wise? Do I think it's such a complicated, complex and divisive set of circumstances where no one is quite sure exactly the full story behind every single set of situations? You know, I've been watching the Piers Morgan show over the last two or three days who's done absolutely brilliantly with some of the interviewing and some of the guests that he's got on. And what we're seeing is such a complex, divisive, emotive subject that it makes it such a very difficult area. But I, again, going to your central point, yeah, I don't particularly have a problem with them doing it. Do I think that they're wise to put themselves in the middle of a conversation that they're probably not abreast of all the facts? Possibly not. Well, but, the, but but but, the, but condemning him for doing it? No, I don't condemn him for doing it. You don't? No, no, because well, I, can't, I, I can't run the argument that I have endlessly said sports itself should not be leveraged. But these are individuals, yeah. and at no point did a footballer, a, a, a professional athlete of any shape or form, hang their hat of freedom of speech on the door when they walked into being a footballer and say, I'll leave it there. I, I, I think it's down, Simon, in, in many of these instances, to the actual content of the message and you could see Salah is moved as he's delivering his own message he's emotionally moved by what we're all seeing not just him what we're all witnessing at the, the moment divi- and his, his message is one of unity but the and division, peace the division for certain people if they want to make it divisive is we'll be looking at the timing I, I didn't hear you talk about civilian casualties and the tragedy of life and the loss of it when it were when it was Israelis being massacred I now hear it when it is the other side of the argument, when proportionate response and war crimes are being uh, are being put forward and undebates about what is happening to but Israel. But should we read in anything into well, that? Because you're he's, he's to, talking about loss of life should, on both should sides. Should we? No. But do, will people? Yes, they will, because it creates division, because they will say, you come from a particular ethnicity and persuasion. It is now happening to that ethnicity and persuasion. So here you are popping up with a with a with a a message about unity and peace and the value of human life. Why weren't you saying that when people attached to that ethnicity and persuasion were committing atrocities in Israel? I don't I, think I, he, I, he's I, going to hit trouble with what he said, though, Simon. For maybe. example, the Dutch winger Anwar El Ghazi has been suspended from training mm-hmm. and games by his club Mainz in Germany for a social media post about the the Israel-Gaza conflict. Yeah, and they also and said... And the club it, deemed it unacceptable. This well, they, is they, far from unacceptable from but they But they also deemed it unacceptable in terms of their values. And I'm not entirely sure what their values are, Mainz. And what exactly the individual said that didn't chime with their particular values? Did their values fall on one side of the argument rather than the other? That is very thorny territory, which is why I advocate and constantly speak about the necessity for sport to abstain 
from getting involved in politics, geopolitical affairs, causes, because you are ultimately going to fall foul of something that it is. I mean, it is such a remarkably con- complex subject matter. So with 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 Salah, the argument I guarantee will come about the timing of it. Not the content, but the because the content is, is about unity. Well, we saw that Mainz in Germany um, acted upon uh, Anwar El-Ghazi's uh, yeah. message and said, no, sorry, that's not for us. And he's been suspended. The same with Nusa Mazraoui, uh, the Moroccan who plays for Bayern. Um, the club contacted him following his Instagram post on Sunday. And um, they say the player's currently in Africa. Um, After his return, a detailed uh, personal conversation with the club's management in Munich is planned. I would say not so surely with Salah. Do you think Liverpool have any problem with what Mo has put out? I would suggest not because it's done fairly and it's done... It's, it's done with with both sides being taken into the equation. Whether they whether they will, I, I don't think in the West uh, and with Western attitudes and with the fact that we've waded into everything from every aspect of sport that we possibly can involve, involve ourselves with, with the exception of the recent argument about the Wembley Arch and what, what it should be lit up with, only because that argument raged because of our previous predisposition in sport to involve ourselves in situations that we don't become fully invested in and fully abreast of. So I I don't imagine. Um, in sports terms, that Salah's going to find himself in a situation where the club are are after him and seeking to silence him or suggest that he shouldn't do it before. Yeah. Maybe they will have a word with him. Maybe they will say, look, we would prefer going forward that we ha- we maintain some degree of silence over this matter. Um, you've done your piece. And, and, of course, he's a star player, and we know that star players yeah. Yeah. will have influence and weights. And I suspect that if a star player at Mainz a top star player said something they might have had a different attitude the bottom line is is these are very difficult situations to navigate and I do not believe that sports and sports stars on the whole are equipped to do so download stand well back listen outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport What's the situation in Newcastle, Simon? Head coach Eddie Howe said uh, that they were delighted but surprised at being able to strike a deal for Milan's 23-year-old captain, Tonali, when they signed him in the summer. And I think that choice of words, delighted to get him in the summer, but maybe somewhat surprised. Um, What do you think has gone on here, Simon? Do you feel that the wool was pulled over Newcastle United's eyes when they signed this player because in the background it was known in Italy that Tonali sooner or later and now sooner would run into this betting scandal problem and if so are there grounds for compensation for Newcastle? Was it known at the time? I mean we are now beginning to becoming aware as a result of the agent's comments that there was a a concern about gambling addiction, but is that as it is? Because we often find, and I know I, I said this yesterday, and I know that people don't like it. It seems to me that people find addictions very quickly when they're caught doing something; they have a consequence as a result of it. And that is not in any shape or form to diminish addiction or to diminish people that suffer from it. Because sometimes people that don't suffer from it and use it as a smokescreen yeah. are actually diminishing those that do. So I, I wonder about the timing of the information to suggest that somehow there's been collusion. Now, if an agent did know about um, this particular situation. 
Is it his gift? Is it his responsibility? Is it his obligation? Did he elicit, solicit and coerce Newcastle into buying a, a player? No, they went in for a player that was available and they bought him. So is it the agent's responsibility? Has he profited from it? Of course he has. Would he, Would he? in the real world, have advanced a situation that maybe the player told him was under control? Maybe the player told my problems are in the past. We'll never know that particular conversation because it'll never see the light of day unless there's some reason for it seeing it, for seeing it, and that will come from the player's side. I think this is a very, very tricky area. We were debating about it yesterday, about the level of due diligence that can and should be done on players. And when you're moving into this area, this new frontier, once upon a time, it was, you know, when you bought players a long time ago, you often bought them on spec and you bought them on videos and you used to go raving mad as an owner about the lack of due diligence that, uh, man that managers and scouts did. Yeah. Now we move into the territory of people really, really wanting to know the culture and the behaviour patterns and what's going on in people's personal lives, where they're settled in a relationship, how they live their lives. All of that should be part of the thinking anyway, because psychologically and psychosomatically, what players do is influenced by their mindset. But this area... Did you do due diligence in this area no, when you signed players God at Palace? No. Well, no, because the whole landscape has changed. The culture. Was but did you ever say to an agent, is this, is this fella got a problem that I'm going to find out about? No, not really, because I tried to keep my agents at arm's length. What you what you did, and of course we've got to take a look at the history of sports and the culture, specifically football. This was a sport that embraced this mentality. This was a sport that thought it was funny watching Harry Redknapp with his feet up on the table reading the Racing Post and thought it was great that footballers spent most of their well, time... That's a long time ago, uh, Sammy. But, but, but I'm saying to and you... I'm not sure Harry did but that. But I'm saying... Well, I saw him. Um, but saying the ideal that um, we are in a situation now where the sport, it, it was a stable diet. It wasn't so long ago that footballers had too much free time, so they were either playing swing at a golf club or in a betting shop. Now betting has changed. You're right. The betting landscape has changed. But has the culture changed? We still have this inherent bubble that footballers live in where they can do no wrong and do what they want, when they want, how they want, and there's always excuses for it. So this culture is still prevalent. Now in the digital age, because it's so much more accessible mm. as a result of the betting community changing the way it brings its product to market, it becomes a different problem, which means that football has to pivot and adapt and go, right... How far can we go into the behavioural patterns of somebody? Yeah. What data can we ascertain? Because this has all come out. This guy hasn't been caught for actually what he, they've caught him doing. They've caught him doing it as a result of the poison tree, which was the first player That's who right. did it, and all the information's flowed from oh, his, yeah, it's come from 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 his cell phone yeah. and yeah. what he's done and yeah, what he hasn't done. If you're at Newcastle, though, and you've spent £50 million plus you're on gonna... this player, are you not asking serious questions now to the agent to Milan and whoever else well, you can find. Well, you're going to start about, internally. You didn't tell me about this last Well, you're going to start history. internally, aren't you? If you're if you're at Newcastle, you're going to you're going to, stuff flows downhill, doesn't it? You're going to be going down to the chief scout or the director of football. Go, uh, hello. What did we do here in this area? And then it's going to flow down to the scouts. And then it's going to flow down to the manager in terms of the manager's conversation. Did we get any indication of it? And then it will then it will deviate to how can we find some sort of mechanism yeah. to reclaim the problem that we may have. It, the tragedy of it is is why doesn't we, you could make this argument about Ivan Tony mm. and his signature? Because ultimately, the challenges that he's got are historic, and Brentford are the victims of it. Well, it, a few questions are, are, are needing to be asked at this particular time in the proceedings. One of them being, do the FA need to open their own investigation into a player that his agent admits has a gambling addiction now and has does. been and has been playing in the Premier League for three months? Various questions to be asked on this, and then we shall know more. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. And we spoke earlier on about Millwall parting company with manager Gary Rowett. Uh, reportedly, it was done by mutual consent. Let's find out a bit more. Gary, good morning. Morning, guys. How are you doing? Very good, thanks, Gary. How are you? Because... I've been down to the den on numerous occasions. You and I have chatted a lot. And, you know, you had high hopes for this football club uh, under your tenure, uh, under your guidance. What happened? Yeah, I think we, we um, you know, look, we, I've had four brilliant, brilliant years there. And, and there's been a lot of things, you know, that have, that have happened over that four years. Um, but I think that, look, the, the club's a brilliant club. It's a unique club. I think that anyone would testify having gone down to the den and sampled the atmosphere. Um, and you know what we, you know, we came so close four times, you know, for four years, and it's a difficult division. It's a difficult challenge for any club, any manager, when you're trying to punch above your weight a little bit. Um, but I've had a fantastic time, Jim. And, and if I'm being honest, I think it just felt the right time. You know, you know, as a manager, you know, as a club, it just feels like it needs something a little bit different. Um, and look, you know, and, and I think that was kind of fundamental to to the decision. So it was it was a mutual thing. I know sometimes people say, oh, you know, he's been sacked, and that's how they put it out. But it genuinely uh, was. I spoke to the chairman last night. Um, I've got a good relationship with everyone at the club, and and it was nice actually to end amicably, which I think was the way that we all wanted it, rather than. Um, you know, a different way that yeah, happens so yeah. often. Well, as you know, Gary, the man beside me owned a football club and you've just said to me in the last commercial break, regards Gary and Millwall, no, this was mutual. This was mutual. You were reading of it. Well, I would feel, Gary, that the like by the very nature of you coming on today so quickly after the event that there was an element of this was likely to be mutual um, and that there was a scenario where you were free to talk because often if you're not in a situation where there's any real conflict or if you are in a situation of conflict, then someone's not going to want to talk. But why now, Gary? I mean, obviously people will link it to the tragic passing of the owner and relationships being different. Is there anything in that, sub- in that scenario or is it just it's run its course? Yeah, I just think it, I just think it was the, the latter, really. I mean, I, look, I mean... Um, you know, I had a brilliant relationship with John and obviously I came to the club partly because of John and not look, you know, I think for everybody at the football club, it's very different and feels different and that's going to have its effect on all the, 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 the key people at the, at the football club. But I've also got a really good relationship with, with, um, with James, you know, I spoke to him last night, we had a really good chat. Um, 
And it genuinely, from my point of view, I've been away from home for four years. It's not easy to do, you know, when you've got an 11 year old when you leave and he's now 15. I mean, that's going to bring its own challenges, I'm sure. But, um, but it just felt like it just felt the right time. And I think sometimes when it feels the right time, you know, every person, every manager has a, you know, a, a way, you know, they, they have a choice of the way that they wanted to do it. My choice was I wanted it to be amicable. I wanted to be able to walk away and shake everyone's hand and, and um, you know, thank everyone. And I think sometimes, you know, that that's the better way to do it and have an honest conversation. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, but a lot of people in football will wait to do, to do an opportunity where the relationship goes sour, get fired and get paid out. Um, yeah. You may be privy to this, you may not be privy to it because a lot of it's background noise. I had a dim view of you in the past um, and didn't feel and felt that some of the times you got some of the things you precisely deserved by moving between clubs and getting the bullet relatively quickly. But my view has changed uh, as I've watched you over the last four years at Millwall. Um, and I was, and, and the reason why I say that is because I was surprised yesterday, um, irrespective of where you are, 9, 10, 11, 12 games into a, into a championship season which is less than 25 or just over 25% of the season being three points of a playoff spot is not a bad space to be in and I was surprised to see you go and I think quite frankly whether my opinion is worth anything I think it's been a useful period for you for four years I think people certainly you know background noise like me view it differently and view you differently and I think that will stand you in good stead for when you decide to go back in again No Simon look, I appreciate that and, and um uh, I was privy to your comments previously, but look, I understand, I understand it. And if I'm being honest, um, probably when I set out, I was probably too ambitious for my own good in some ways. And, and in a way, you make decisions, you, you, you do certain things as a younger manager. I think as, a, as I've sort of become a bit more experienced, you understand that, you know, building something, staying somewhere, trying to create good relationships and, and, and doing it in a certain way. Uh, are also just as important as that yep. kind of ambition to get to where you want to get get to quickly. So, you know, and look, I, I think like, I'd love to stand here and say I got Millwall promoted. I'd love to stand here and say I got Millwall in the top six. But I think coming close at so many different clubs with different resources and different budgets, I think it's success of its own. Everyone else decides and defines what that success looks like. But um, you know, I'm proud of the work we've done. I'm proud of the sort of the way it's all ended. Um, and genuinely, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try and help the club moving forward if, if um, you know, if they ever need it. So, so yeah. So, I mean, Gary, I look at it. You managed at Burton, Birmingham, Derby, Stoke, Millwall. I mean, what is next? Is it a spell out and then back? Or do you carry on as of now, if you can? Well, I mean, I've got a marathon to run Sunday. So that's Good my boy. first. Well <laughs> done. <laughs> I won't be seeing you on the South Bank for, for a wee while. I know, I regularly see you, mate. Um, You're pounding yeah, the streets. I, I, I know, you keep thinking it's fans shouting it. Yeah, I said that before, but you realise it was me. <laughs> um, and, and then and then I've got my, my kids want me to go skiing with them, I think, around December, which I'm sure they'll be keen for me to, to laugh uh, or keen to laugh at me. <laughs> on the slopes, sure. so, so it's things like that that you can't do when you're, you're doing the day-to-day stuff. But um, look, like to do a bit more media work. So I always love that. And then I'm sure at some point... If the right thing comes along, then, then um, you know, I'll be back out there. So, yeah, look, no no rush. Looking forward to a little bit of a break. Um, but, you know, it's like anything. It's, it's, it's an addiction, isn't it? And we all love it and we're all passionate about the sport and, and um, you know, wh- wh- whatever comes, comes. Guy, just before you go, it's just struck me to ask you, do, we, do, we see, do you see Millwall as, as a, a Premier League club anytime soon? 
I think there's a really good base there. I think the club's, you know, made a lot of advancements on and off the pitch. I think last season we had something like four or five of the biggest attendances the club have had. So I think there's clearly a positive direction the club's moving in. I think this gives an opportunity to, to, to do something slightly different, maybe. Obviously, what they choose to do is up to them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's a genuine opportunity. Listen, you know, you've seen clubs get out of the championship and, and have a go in the Prem. The next challenge, getting out is one thing, staying in there as you can see. Exactly. I was going to ask you, Gary. I mean, I was going to ask you, I mean, obviously, with my relationship with Millwall being a former Palace owner was always a slightly tenuous one. Um, (laughs) And my mate owned it for a while, so I had some affection for it. But this recently, this week, we've seen situations with Millwall where there's situations that that are resulting in them being consequenced by the FA. Do you still think, as the former Millwall manager, um, that this stigma about Millwall, this perception of them as a football club with the moniker that, you know, no one likes us sort of mentality. Does that still exist at Millwall? Has it moved on a long way past that? I think, you know, as well as I do, Simon, when you're on the inside, you know, everyone has a perception on the outside that's very easy to attach certain things to certain clubs. I think when you're on the inside, you realise what great work the club does in the community. You realise what... Fantastic work um, the club does within the football community as well. And, and um, you know, it, like I said, the, the club's very different on the outside to other people think on the outside. And that's probably the best way of saying it. It is a brilliant, brilliant club. You know, whenever there's an issue with another club, the Millwall fans... All right, don't stress the credibility with brilliant, brilliant, Gary. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Keep going. <laughs> Gary, listen, any which way, we, we wish you well. And you're always welcome in here. You know that. Fabulous. Cheers, guys. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. As Simon said earlier, he was one of the many who were going to head at the weekend to the O2 to watch Joshua Boazzi take on Dan Aziz. But what do you know? The fight was cancelled. Why was it cancelled? Earlier, following the cancellation decision, following the cancellation announcement of Aziz Boatze, one Eddie Hearn, top boxing promoter, joined the boys in drive and said, really, I'm sceptical of this. I don't know about any injury. You just, uh, you know, in boxing, you hear a lot of stuff, Andy, some some stuff that's uh, true, some that's not. But, you know, I was asked about it and I heard that, you know, the, the event wasn't, this is just what I heard, wasn't going particularly well and it was unlikely to take place, whether that was true or not. And he ended up getting an injury. It's very strange to get an injury on the Tuesday of fight week. But look, you know, I think uh, it's, a, it's a shame because it was a good fight. So what is the truth of it? What is the background to it? For that, I'm not going to ask Spencer and I'm certainly not going to ask the man to my right, Lord Simon Jordan. Dan Aziz joins us live. Dan, good afternoon. I mean, obviously you'll be heartbroken and devastated that the fight is off. What happened? Yeah, I just um, picked up a um, injury, my last hard training session, um, and yeah, that that was it. Um, I was just not; uh, they didn't put class me as fit to box for Saturday, so hmm. that that's the fact of it. Dan, is that a reoccurring injury? Because it is quite a freak accident for something like that to happen in the in the fight week. As as we know, training, you know, you're tapering off, you're coming down. I know your body's finely tuned, so injuries can happen. But yeah. was it a, is is it a reoccurring injury? Is it something that had happened previously? No, it's never happened. I've never had a back injury in my life. Um, so 
that was what was a bit strange about it. Um, to be fair, when it, when it first did happen, um, I thought it might just be a little niggle. You, you know yourself, Spencer, when you're fighting, you'll get little niggles or whatnot, and they'll go like, especially when you're fit and you're strong, like mm. you know, you'll heal up quick. So I thought, worst case scenario, I'll just take painkillers or something like. But we went to a specialist, um, got a scan done, and yeah, it was um, worse than what I thought. Did you did you know yourself, Dan? Look, I can't fight. I can't fight. No, no. I've 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 had injuries in the past, and um, bad ones, like, and still fought. So straight away, that's always ne that's never my first thing. Oh, I can't fight. Well, I've never had an injury that that's that's that bad that I thought. No, I'm definitely not fighting. Um, I thought, like I said, I'll just maybe worst case scenario is just take some painkillers or something. But then when my movement was restricted. Yeah, it was a bit alarming. Like, whoa! Like, if I can't even do this, what? What? Like, this mm. is yeah, this is quite bad. So right, yeah, right, right. Well, so, I mean, what do you make of what Eddie Hearn said and this idea that the fight? It was very strange. Didn't he? Didn't seem to subscribe to the view that you could have been injured, Dan. He didn't seem to subscribe to the view that the fight was going to be particularly interesting to people in terms of the viewing audience. I mean, you're a participant in this fight. I thought it was a great fight. I think the British public were interested in the fight. When you hear a rival promoter saying that, which is A, potentially talking about your integrity and B, talking about your value in the boxing world, what do you make of that? Exactly that. Like, do you know what, Simon? I'm all for, like, rival promoters having a little dig here and there at themselves, but not at the expense of a fighter's integrity and, you know, his character. Like, um, I work hard and I'm very passionate about the sport. Um, and for someone of his stature... Like, come on, this is Eddie Hearn. He's one of the biggest promoters in the world. To put out a narrative like that out there about me is is quite distasteful, it's malicious as well, and harmful. You know, whilst he's there, um, probably having a little snigger with his mates, like you know, getting one over Ben. Like he's messing up my image. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm from a community like where a lot of things are happening you know it's bad like the youth are a bit confused and I'm trying to not only obviously go out there and achieve stuff in this sport for myself but also to like just try and be like a some sort of role model like inspire the next generation that's coming up or whatnot so it's it's deeper than him just having a little laugh and hey, yeah look the show like and whatnot I have it, it's it's like messing up my image like and it makes me look like I'm not practicing what I preach like do you know what I mean like I I'm, I work too hard I'm too passionate about the sport like I could have done anything else I didn't have to box I got a bloody degree but I chose boxing so um, yeah when, when when I heard that I only just heard it yesterday and that I'll be honest I was fuming like um, it was very displeasing and I, I weren't happy at all Dan I have to say you've been in here with Simon and Spencer and myself before you're an extremely mild-mannered chap. What Heron has said has really riled you, hasn't it? Yeah, no, it really has. Because it's, like I said, someone of his stature, this is Eddie, like, it's going to go out to the world, like, do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, um, and people actually believe in it. Like, I don't, I'm not on, so, like, at this point in the time, I'm not on social that much, but I'm, you know, you'll see things like, oh, yeah, we heard the, the show weren't doing well and that's why they had to cancel it and, and it's all BS, like it's people actually believing it, and that's so displeasing. Like, and he's just—he might not be doing it directly to me, trying to like harm me, but he's doing it indirectly to obviously try and get one over on, you know, whether it's a rival promoter, Ben or whatever. And like, it's like, yeah, it's just really poor, man. And it's mm -hmm. it's 
it's not going down well with me. I'm not really happy, like, at all. When we now see the situation, obviously Ben and Boxer have said there is a real expectation, anticipation, that this fight will be made before Christmas. How does that play out for you? I mean, do you know the extent of the time it will take you to recover? Does this disadvantage you to be you know, held back and have to fight again in the same way that perhaps Liam Smith had a challenge when he was ready to fight Eubank. How does this play out for you, Dan? Yeah, this is the thing. I don't want to go in there just to go, like, I don't want to be, okay, yeah, he's good enough to box. I want to be going there and I'm ready. I'm 100%. Like, I don't want to be thinking about the possibility of my back or whatnot. I need to be ready. But again, I also want to want to fight like do you know what I'm saying I'm a fighter stupidly stupidly enough if I could fight with the injury I would have but like I said I weren't fit to box um I'm hoping it could get done it's just all about how quick I can recover from um the the whole recovery stage and everything like that but I'm hoping I'd love for it to be before Christmas I really would Dan what have the doctors said to you on on, on the recovery time obviously because you're going to have to get yourself back in shape again as well yeah. have you had those conversations with Whites' team that you're, they're happy to hang hang around to wait for this fight obviously it was a final eliminator for that WBA title so it's a huge fight have you have you had those conversations with team no, Whites? I, I, I had that conversation or your team that's sorry ben, that's, ben, that's Ben's you know, the job and yeah, my team, but like early, early conversation, I had a brief conversation with Josh, like over methods, like, um, you know, not to go back and forth with Edward, but like he's had fighters that's pulled out, mm. um, bloody on fight week for numerous reasons, not even just injury. So, like, I don't understand, was it strange then? Like, you know, like it happens. I'm sure you can think off the top of your head, Spencer, mm-hmm. fighters that have pulled out. Like, it happens. Like, it's the, it's the sport. Unfortunately, we're just in a game where if you don't box, you don't get paid. You don't get a title. You don't. So, that's what's that much frustrating. And I'm sure Josh has, he's had to, you know, he's had a lot of expenses I've had as well. And, you know, it's just one of those things, man. Yeah, Dan, listen, we all know what was on the line for this. Like I say, it was a final eliminator. So you have to be 100% fit to go in the yeah. ring and box, you know, a fight of that magnitude. And we know that you're not that guy, by the way. We know that you've done it the old school way, the only light heavyweight in history actually to win Southern area, English, British, Commonwealth, European. So you've done it on the road. You've learned your trade on the road. You've never feared anyone, never not wanted to face anyone. So we do understand that. I understand that. And I'm glad that you've come on to explain that yeah, as well. Yeah, we, we appreciate it, Dan. I know this yeah. is... Is this probably the lowest point you've had in the sport? Um... Yeah, yeah, because it's like, um, you know, I've got to the spot where, yes, this is it now. And then obviously it's just like that with a click of a finger. It's, yeah, it's not happening. So, yeah, it's quite distressing, but uh, yeah. it is what it is, man. I just have to just stay strong, keep doing what I'm doing. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. D- Dan, you fronted up and uh, we yeah. knew you would because you're an honest boy. And uh, we feel for you this lunchtime. Keep at it, and we'll speak again soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Dan Aziz. Take care, mate. Who's fight?
Called off against Josh Price. You can tell Simon is he's he's he's, he's, he's obviously extremely down about what's happened, but he's yeah. also fuming at what's been said. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, that's for him to to to, to look at it. He he's a pragmatic man. He knows that, that the dialogue between promoters and in this sport more than any, they seem to opine on one another's business yeah. so much. Yeah. Um, but as far as him, the, the idea that he would perhaps feign an injury, Spencer has qualified that this is a man that's done it on the hard way and has not shirked anything or anyone, has been wanting this fight for a long time. So the last thing I think that Dan Aziz would do is find a way to get out of this fight. And, I, you know, wh- whatever the fight would have sold, the fight would have sold. I mean, yeah. I understand it mm. sold 10, 11,000 tickets. Absolutely, Which yeah. weren't bad, is it? And by the time we got to the night, it might well have sold out. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.